Hi, everyone. Sorry we're late. My name is Alexa Uda, and I'm a reporter with the Texas Tribune, where I cover demographics. Thank you for spending your Saturday with us. And this is the sixth annual Texas Tribune Festival, and you are at the Latinos on the Presidential Panel. We've got some great folks that are speaking with us today. Just a couple of housekeeping things very quickly. Uh, this panel is supported by the Doctors Hospital at Renaissance. Uh, those sponsors and donors underwrite this event. They play no role in determining the content, panelists, or line of questioning. Um, I will say we're, we've got about 60 minutes that we're working with. We'll do 40 to 45 of discussion before we open up for a Q&A. Um, if you do have any questions, we can just line up on the sides as we, when we get to that portion. Um, I will ask you to silence your phones. If you are going to be tweeting about this panel, the hashtag is TTF. Um, I will just say when we open up to Q&A, um, to borrow a line from my boss, if you can end your questions with a question mark, that'll be greatly appreciated. Uh, let's get started. Um, we've got some great folks talking to us here today. First, uh, to my left is Representative Ana Hernandez. She is a state rep from Houston, representing House District 143 since 2005. Um, when she's not at the Capitol, she is a lawyer in Houston. Next to her, we've got Eddie Rodriguez. He is a state representative from Austin. Uh, he's represented House District 51 since 2003. He is also vice chairman of the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus. Next to him, we've got Juan Hernandez. He is a political strategist who helped found the Hispanic Republicans of Texas. More recently, he joined Gary Johnson's 2016 presidential campaign. Gary Johnson is a libertarian, not a Republican. And next to him, we have Daniel Garza. He's the founder of the Libre Initiative. It's a right-leaning group working to empower and inform Hispan the Hispanic community. So I was going to open, I was gonna, I'm opening this panel with a question about Trump, and I was gonna say, if you had asked me last year if that's how we'd be opening it, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And so I went back and listened to last year's panel, and that's also how I opened the panel last year then. So here we are a year later. And knowing what we know now, knowing what's happened in the last year, do we think that Trump will be the factor that finally gets Texas Hispanics to turn out in the numbers that they haven't in the past? Is it open to anyone? Open to anyone. Uh, I, I, I personally believe that it's going to be a major factor in that. Uh, I, I mean, speaking about Texas specifically, I, I think that that is the, probably the main driving force right now that's going to increase the Latino vote in November. Um, at, at whether that's gonna be sustained beyond this election, I don't know, but I know that from talking to people in my district, that's what's driving them is this, is the, the rhetoric of Donald Trump right now when it comes to immigration and other issues that are important to Latinos is driving them to want to go vote and they can't wait to go vote. So I think it's gonna make a big difference this time. I think you also hear, um, just anecdotally, I mean, we know those of us that are involved in politics, we're paying attention to every single race, listening to what the candidates are saying. But what you see this election cycle are, are those individuals that aren't not, uh, normally engaged in politics. You know, just anecdotally, when I go to my family's house, you know, aunt's, uncle's house, people that aren't as involved in politics listening to the rhetoric, and unfortunately it's negative rhetoric, uh, from Trump that's getting them more interested in the, in the presidential election and interested in registering to vote. 
in Houston, we have monthly naturalization ceremonies, and I've had the opportunity to speak at one. And I mean, there are you know, anywhere from uh, 1,500 to 2,000 naturalized citizens every year, and they have high percentages of individuals that are naturalized and registered to vote that day because they want to participate in this election. So we hope to see a higher turnout of Latino voters uh, in November. Well, I would say on the one hand, um, the state of Texas is what, 29.5 million? Of the 29.5 million, I think we're nine, nine, 10 million Latinos. Of the 10 million Latinos, uh, five million are registered to vote. Of them, I think only three million actually vote, or I'm sorry, two million. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we don't turn out. And part of the reason is what, because we're really young. We're 27 years median age, uh, just out of college, trying to get a job. Um, and the rest of the country is 37 years median age. In Texas um, and California, that's almost half of all Latinos. But Texas is red and California is blue. So there's not a lot of engagement. I think there was a, um, a study by the Latino Decisions that showed that only 25% of Texan Latinos were outreach to by a party or a candidate or some kind of partisan group. Uh, and that pales in comparison to, say, like a state like Florida, where the turnout rate is much higher. It's almost 10, 10% higher. Uh, I think ours was 38% turnout rate in Texas. So when there isn't that engagement, when there isn't that kind of aggressive outreach, um, I, I don't know if the antipathy that, that uh, the left is counting on towards Donald Trump is going to get Latinos out to vote when they're really, uh, they've also failed to invest, I think, at, um, in, a, in an aggressive way to, to engage Latinos. So I'm not so sure about how the turnout is going to affect if Latinos are going to come out just because Donald Trump is on the agenda. I think that uh, we are so tired as Latinos, on the one hand, of the insults of my party, uh, the Republican Party, of the insults of their candidates, not mine, the insults to my family, to my friends in Mexico, to, of course, the handicapped, we can go on, women, et cetera, et cetera. So on the one hand, we're just sick and tired of the insults of the right. And we have to be honest, on the left, we've gotten eight years of unkept promises. And many would say, well, you know, but, it, but she is better than he is. Or some would say, God forgive him, he is better than she is. We don't have very good options. And, and, this, and it sounds like commercial, but uh, thank goodness for me personally, I, I met this guy, Gary Johnson, libertarian. I didn't even know what that was about, to be honest, a year ago. But here's some that tends to be like us Latinos. He's tolerant on the left on those social issues. We Latinos, we tend to be religious. We tend to be uh, conservative, let's say, on the social issues. But we're very civil. We're very tolerant. We know it's the, the abortion is a very difficult decision. The gay marriage, we just say, well, just let people love whoever they want to love, et cetera. On the other hand, we want a smaller government. We want less taxes. We want just people to leave us alone. and we want to pass immigration reform. So here we have the left having promised it over and over and hasn't done it, the right saying they're going to build a wall, and then Gary Johnson appears saying, you know what, we can do this, we can treat people with dignity. Uh, so, man, he, I, I, I was bought, as you can tell. Well, <laughs> I'm confused, can I, can are I you here as a Republican or a I'm, I'm a Republican supporting Gary Johnson. 
Yeah. There can, you have it. If I can just yes, say just one thing, and I know that you have to get on to your next question, but to what you were saying, I'm not going to sit here as a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, saying that we've done everything that we can do to get out the Latino vote. And certainly we can say that about the Republican Party, too. I don't think that's debatable, in my mind anyway. But if you look at Prop 187 in the 90s in California, that was Terrible. one of the main things that turned California from a purple state Disaster. that can go away sure. to a blue state. Mm -hmm. I think Donald Trump is a walking, talking Prop 187. Worse. And so that's what I, to, to, say, to say that Donald Trump's not going to have any real impact in Texas, I, I would disagree with that just because I think what he's saying is, is very indicative of the, of, it, it mirrors in lots of ways what happened in California, I think, in, with Prop 187. So, uh, I, so I think that there has to be an impact well, in some I, level. If I could say then, in, in California at the time, the Latino vote was very contested. Uh, and it was very competitive, is what it was, between Republicans and Democrats at the time. In fact, uh, that year, the governor lost by a 4% difference in the Latino vote. In four years later, they lost by 46%, the Republican uh, candidate for governor. Four years after that, they lost by 61% in California. So the divide and the distancing, you're right, absolutely was dramatic, was drastic. Here, um, already I think there's been a it's hard for the Democrats to gain when the percentages are already at 70%. The, 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 where the gains can be made is by Republicans when they engage. And what I mean by that, um, you had Cornyn, who got 52% of the Latino vote in Texas. Abbott, who had a very strong uh, immigration platform, got 44% of the Latino vote in Texas. But it wasn't only here in Texas you saw that Cory Gardner got 45% of the Latino vote in Colorado. This is a state, mind you, where Barack Obama had won it by 65 or 68% in 2008, and by 85% uh, in 2012. Michael Bennett had won it by 90% the Latino vote. And you saw this dramatic turnaround of the so Latino vote. So you think vote. Trump still has, there's some hope for him? Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not making the, the, the case for Donald Trump. What, what I'm making the case is it's really hard to make gains by Democrats because it, they've already sort of, I'm not gonna say tap, tapped it out, but Battleground Texas was an effort to try to actually increase the amount of voters, not so much the percentage, but the amount of voters because it was in their interest. Um, those of us on the free market, limited government side, we countered that effort by actually informing and educating Latinos on how pernicious raising taxes is on uh, increases in the size and the scope of government through imposing much more regulations like Obamacare, Dodd-Frank, by uh, also uh, attacking the, the, the issue of entitlement reform. You know, th these things that Latinos care about, too. You know, obviously, immigration is a big deal to us. You my know, family. We, well, it's, it's our family. It's, it's uh, <laughs> our, you know, our fellow issue. church <laughs> members. You know, and and I, wanna, I wanna talk about that. I wanna talk about the issues because I wonder if to assume that Trump is what will turn out Hispanics, do you then assume that immigration is the only litmus test for Hispanics, or does he just have enough rhetoric out there that it's turning Hispanics against him? I mean, I know, Representative Rodriguez, you've talked about some of this where we lose some of the other issues that Hispanics might care about other than immigration, because I think I repeat this a lot, and I feel like most of you do, Hispanics are not a monolithic group. They're not a monolithic voting group. Yeah. Do, you, do you see some of that getting lost in translation there? 
Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about Trump and Latino households, you hear, you know, all of the disparaging remarks that he's made that you don't even get past the fact that he's calling us a race, uh, rapists and criminals and building the wall. You don't even get past that to talk about the issues that are important to the Latino community. But you're right. It's not just immigration. It's about the economy. It's about good paying jobs, access to good health care, to education. And those are issues that should be the issues that we use to reach out to Latino community. And we don't hear that from the Trump campaign. And I think, you know, I think that's absolutely right, Anna. And, uh, but but I, I also, I mean, I think I've always said this, and I think when we spoke before, that the issues that are important to Latinos are not really that different than issues that are important to every, anybody else. Right. We care about economic opportunity for ourselves and for our kids in the future. Uh, we care about public education. We care about health care. I mean, the same issues that everyone else cares about, we care about very much. The, but the difference is that we get more, we're more impacted Right when the state or the federal government does something, our population gets impacted more. When there's a cuts in public education in Texas, for example, we are 52% of the population of public schools are, are students that are, that are Latino. Uh, so at the same time, we've been cutting funding for uh, for public education, all these things. So so it's not. You're right. We're not a monolithic, but the issues that we care about, we care about more because it impacts us more. But the answer to your question is it's very difficult, as Anna said, to go past the immigration when that is the most hateful rhetoric that we're hearing, when that's the most egregious, that's the most just uh, inappropriate. Sure. Well, you know, all studies so say they're, to, that really to, the voters are going to vote for two things, really. And we can you know, do all the ads about whatever we want, but it's really it's security and better jobs. Those are really the two key things that we build. But if you're going to insult my family members, as both the and then said, we're not going to get to those other issues. You have to start You've lost. by yeah. by getting a little bit uh, close to us. Um, Lionel Sosa, whom I dearly love, as you know, the first Latino that supported uh, Reagan way back then, and has worked now for every president, including the Democrats. Uh, lives right here in San Antonio. Uh, he 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 says that that uh, you know that yes, that Hispanics are Republican. You know, just they don't know it like, like Reagan says. But he says, look, if Trump is going to attack my family members, my uh, the nation south of here that is the second bias, the the biggest buyer of our products, uh, when millions of, of, of jobs are created in this nation, we're not going to get to the other two issues. Right. Right, we're not talking about the party of Reagan. I mean, the party of Reagan yeah, was gone. the one that passed Immigration Reform and Control Act Thank that you. gave my family uh, residency and then citizenship. That's not the Republican Party that we're talking about today. And in, I mean, as its own leaders have said, this is a defining moment for the party. And it's not just about the election because we're not going to forget. We're not going to forget the insults. We're not going to forget the things that have been done to our community. And I think that will have an impact. Well, in, talking about we're not going to forget the insults, it was Hillary Clinton who said, I am adamantly against illegal immigrants. Look at them, they stand there. Nobody should be hiring these people. She, she said that as a New York senator. She opposed driver's licenses for the, the folks in New York as a senator. She, she also voted for 700 miles of wall numerous times, quote unquote. Um, and she also, of course, uh, elected to send back uh, the, the children who were coming in from Central America back to folks who were trading drugs and sex and, and dangerous conditions. Right. So and yeah, back. we're not going to forget the insults. You're absolutely right. right about that. So there's there's also this hypocrisy and this condescension coming over from the other side I don't that who we should hold accountable as well. You should. In is, the is entire, record. Sure, sure. entire record. Entire record. There is no right. question that there is a, a there that we are not monolithic. Zero question about that. And, and just to give you some statistics, if you were a, 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 a Latina, single mother, 11% of you voted for 
Mitt Romney. If you are a, just a Latina in general, 22% voted for Mitt Romney. If you are a male, 33% of Latinos voted for Mitt Romney. If you made over $50,000 a year, and 15 million of us do, 40% of you voted for Mitt Romney. If you were an evangelical, 43% voted for Mitt Romney. So there are variations that was a collective in that. 27 and, and they're all making right. different decisions based on different <laughs> criteria, you should know. Sure, no, of course. But, but I'm sorry, but I mean, you can't, you can't just whitewash what Trump has been saying this of so. Nobody is. to what Hillary Clinton may are, or may not have been doing. Are you making the assumption? No, no, but you can't. Those are, those are not realistic comparisons. I mean, I, I'm just sorry. No, but from, uh, what, from this do, point. Do you not then condemn what Hillary Clinton said? I do. If, if she, in fact, said those things, I would condemn that. Sure. She's not campaigning on it, though. She's not campaigning. Well, of course, on, you're not going to campaign. She's, of she's not. Well, no. Well, it's because, not in her because that's. Well, let's let him. Let's but let him. it's not. It's not. No, it's not only not in her interest. That's really probably not not who she is. Well, I, so, I just don't. But I mean, she's the, not the campaigning on, on coming from the, the other side with with the, if the, their candidates. If you if you expect me to be up here and say the Democrats are perfect, you're not going to get that from me. I understand right. that. But uh, but I'm saying what I'm saying is though she's not campaigning because she doesn't believe in these things. He's campaigning and saying these hateful things to rile up certain a certain segment of the of the voting population to vote for him and to divide us, and I believe that. And I think that the immigration side of it, as much as I, I agree with Anna, I think we're both on the same page, there's so many other issues that impact our community, so many other issues that impact our community that we cannot get, we can't even discuss it in reality because I can't, this panel is gonna be over and we're gonna be talking about Trump and, and, and his hateful rhetoric almost the entire time. And that's, that's taken away from the real issues that we need to be talking about. I wanna, I wanna talk about engagement because there is a sense that Latinos are paying more attention, right? But how much of this, I mean, is there any concern as groups like the Libre Initiative focus on down-ballot races instead of the presidential, is there a concern that people who might already be jaded about elections and politics, any concerns that they might not even turn out to begin with because they're turned off by some of the rhetoric they're seeing? Is that, is that something folks are thinking about? Well, when the two candidates have 60% negatives, uh, it's not too exciting for, for, for Latinos, to, to be honest. So, um, you know, we always blame our, our brothers and sisters, the Latino community. You should be out there voting. And, we, and if you don't go out vote, you're not going to change the, and, and And we need to promote it, yes. But it's not their fault that we haven't given them very good options either. And so to always be condemning our brothers and sisters, Latinos, for not participating, I keep saying, let's get more. Ana Hernandez, and we're not related, by the way, but she's got a good last name. Let's get more of the Ana Hernandezes. Let's get more uh, uh, Latinos out there that are participating, they're running for office, and then maybe we'll get more excited about, about uh, supporting them I in both parties. That's what Three we'll parties see. Now. You'll see more impact. <laughs> <laughs> well, a greater impact, you know, down ballot whenever you have, you know, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell saying this is going to be a split-ticket election. I mean, that really affects the down ballot races here in, in our state when we have you know, swing districts, when you don't have a party pushing a straight ticket, when you don't have all of the party leaders supporting their, their candidate, that impacts the lower racism for us. I mean, we're, we, we, we welcome that. We appreciate that because that's going to help us in down-ballot races. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that down-ballot, there's, there's, first of all, Latinos vote more in presidential elections than they do in non-presidential. That's true sure. for most people. But, but I think you look at a district like Pete Gallego, the Congressional District 23, I believe, uh, that, that has gone kind of back and forth, back and forth is one of those swing type <coughs> districts. There is no question that this kind of election under presidential and with Donald Trump being on the top that that's gonna sway things. Now, as a Democrat, I'll say, I'd like to sustain to do, so it's not every other year we're going back and forth. Um, 
And then real quick, looking at California and what we talked about about California, I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as the ground game in California, they have much more, a better foundation for outreach to Latinos. And I think both par parties probably do to some degree. And so we are lacking that on the Democratic side, certainly in Texas, and we need to do better at that. Yeah, it's our responsibility. Yeah, it's our responsibility. That we continue that. Um, Juan uh, was quoting Ronald Reagan, who said that uh, Latinos are Republican, they just don't know it. Um, I don't know about that. Um, but what I do know is that Latinos are conservative, and they know it. Um, more self-identify as conservative than they do as liberal. We know that because of the NBC Marist poll and the Pew Hispanic poll. And you'd think it'd be a natural constituency for the Republican Party to, to, um, to bring them out and to engage in outreach. But you know, this is a criticism on the Republican side and those on the conservative free market side. They failed miserably for decades to, to do the engagement, to invest the resources that they needed to do to persuade Latinos on their ideas and on their issues. And I'm convinced, uh, you know, as a free market advocate, um, that Latinos have not rejected market principles or a limited government agenda. They just haven't heard about it. And, and that is the fault of the right. And on the left, and this is to their credit, they invested the money. Maybe not at the levels you know, that, that, that were maybe satisfactory, but they, they understood and they recognized long ago, decades ago, that there was a value in engaging Latinos and getting them out and being a part of their effort and mobilizing other Latinos with Latinos. And we, at the Libre Initiative, we've kind of modeled that. We've, we look to the left as to kind of what they did and how successful they were in engaging and mobilizing Latinos. And we're now doing it. You know, we're 75 full-time staff. We are in 10 states. Uh, we have about 50 contracted workers with thousands and thousands of volunteers now because we looked at how the left did it, to be honest with you. And so, and this is a tip of the hat you know, to those folks. And, and what I find frustrating is that this is a natural constituency for those on the right, you know, for the conservative side. There are millions and millions of Latinos who embrace a limited government agenda, uh, but they just failed to do the outreach. And, and with this election, we're not enthused about either candidates you know, in this presidential election cycle, and, and that's a damn shame. Because it keeps us from you know, engaging at a national level, which is why we focus more on the down ballots, yeah. supporting Marco Rubio and opposing uh, Cortez Masto in Nevada as, as a way to engage Latinos on, on you know, uh, whether you favor one because of the, they embrace your principles or oppose the other because they are that's set against your principles. That's important, you know, to, to invest that kind of money in engaging Latinos and, and persuade them on the merits of your ideas. That, well, that's, that's been critical. I, I want to talk about this enthusiasm, and Juan, I don't mean to pick on you, but if we do see, if Hispanic voters barely turn out for major party candidates, how, where do you even start with a libertarian candidate? It is very difficult, and we, and we didn't get into the, into the debate next Monday. Uh, nevertheless, there were something like 8 million people, I think it was yesterday, before yesterday, of people that went and Googled Gary Johnson. Who is this guy? They say in campaigns you have to have the three big M's. You have to have momentum, and, and we've got finally some momentum. You've got to have money, and we're getting some, say, about a million uh, a day right now. Finally getting some money, so you'll start seeing some TV spots. And then, and then, uh, and then you have to have a, a message. And we've got, I believe, a great message. Gary says it's, it's one that's like the 60 lanes in, in the middle. Uh, you know, that on the one hand, uh, it's tolerant of, of the social issues, and then very stern with regard to having a strong country, but one that is, that is um, reducing taxes and uh, doing all those wonderful things that, in theory, us Republicans were, were going to do, and the Democrats have openly said they will not. 
Very, very difficult. But if it happened with Ross Perot, he had less percentage than we had, than we have right now, and he was able to get debates, and he was, nobody remembers, but he was number one for a while. And then nobody understands, but he quit. He stopped the campaign, and to this day, there are all kinds of rumors, but nobody knows why he quit. These are crazy elections. This is incredible. <laughs> we never thought a year ago that Trump would be uh, the, the candidate for the Republican Party, and no one thought, please, but that it would be so difficult for Hillary. I mean, it's incredible. Every other day, there's another you know, media deal against her. So uh, who knows what would happen? All, all I say is Google the guy. Google Gary and see what you think about him. And Austin's perfect for Gary, by the way. It's crazy here. I will, I will say, if I can, uh, not, not speaking as a libertarian, obviously, but that I think... I almost convinced him. I got, him. I got one. I got a vote here today. One at a time. Hey, uh, good luck. Uh, I, think, I, think, uh, I think that for a third party candidate, this is one of those you know, the perfect kind perfect of year. year for something like that. Not that I, that uh, that uh, Johnson's going to you know get the nomination or, or going to win or anything like that. I don't believe. But uh, yeah, I mean the, the unfavorables are high on both sides. I mean, unfortunately, uh, they are. And so this is the this would probably be a high water mark. I think for Daniel's the almost there too. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? <laughs> well, I mean, there is a Green I'm Party candidate. She's hovering at I don't know what three percent or, or different. You know. Probably, so there's yeah. a Green Party too. But obviously, I think uh, Johnson's doing much better than she is. So I think it's going to be probably a water mark year for. Yeah, and for she's and she's but. promoting you know a, an idea and a message which is great. You know, let's take care of the environment. Let's make and, and that's great. But Gary's really running. Yeah. I think back to, to what yeah, Daniel's comments to your to your question, answer your question on the Latino community not being a monolithic community and how you know uh, Reagan said you know, Latinos are, are Republicans, they just don't know it. You can't have just a, a universal message for the entire Latino community. And I think when questions are asked, you know, what's the silver bullet? How do we get Latinos out right. to vote? You can't use the same message because you have Latinos that have been here five generations. Like Representative Rodriguez is five generations, you know, immigrant families, people that got here, you know, in the last year, and their their priorities are different, and the messages that are going to resonate with them are different, and I think that's why it's you know it, it's a challenge. And I wanted to also respond to that too. But uh, uh, you were some of the things you were saying too is I think we kind of have to redefine, or Republicans maybe do, what conservative means. Because I know that, that it's common to, to say, and I don't disagree with it because, I mean, my family is conservative on certain issues and other issues. For my family, they're not conservative on government spending on certain, it, like, government programs are, is not the boogeyman for many of my family members that sometimes do vote Republican in presidential years, right, for, for presidential candidates. So that's so conservative, the social conservatism that we're, that we're seeing today, this kind of, uh, what are they calling the new right? This, uh, what are they calling Some of the Trump supporters are calling them a... Alt-right, oh, yeah, alt-right. That is not going to be appealing. That that type of conservative conservatism, if that's what we're going to call it, is not appealing to the Latino community at all. Uh, Reagan conservatism back in the 80s, that kind of conservatism may may have been a better message. The messenger obviously was better, uh, but that wasn't like a, a harsh conservatism, a, a harsh social conservatism. Uh, you know, certain conservative ideals I think do resonate with Latinos, but. What does conservative really mean now, I think is where I, I really want to know what that means. If you're a Republican and say, I'm conservative, if, if I have a family member, a Latino family member that says I'm conservative, if we go in there and really nitpick yeah. about the different issues, you all wouldn't call no, there, that there, person a conservative. There's no question you know, that I think so. as Latinos, we need to uh, um, take a, a very significant role in defining, in defining the movements and, and what they're about and what they're trying to achieve in the well-being uh, of other Latinos across the country, which is what we're trying to do. 
I'll give you an example on, on how we, we are now resetting the agenda uh, past the traditional gatekeepers of the past, the unions and uh, professor universities and nonprofit liberal groups and stuff. Um, when, when we were uh, engaged in 2014, uh, we looked at what Pete Gallego was doing, at what Joe Garcia was doing in Florida, and Ron Barber in Arizona, and we knew those races were gonna be tight. So we leveraged those really tight competitive congressional races to drive our ideas, to drive a different conversation than we knew that other Latino gatekeepers would be driving. And you get to do this in America because you, know, you have that kind of freedom, right, to, to uh, assemble and, and petition on behalf of a, a, a other groups who are like-minded. And so what we did was use the issue of Obamacare. And I swear to you, people were looking at us and saying, what are you, nuts? You know, Obamacare is very popular with Latinos. And we made the case that, in fact, the, the, the impact of Obamacare on Latinos was disastrous. Premiums have gone sky high. Deductibles, there's $7,000 in the silver plan. Latinos are putting off health care because of Obamacare. It, it was disproportionately impacting young Latinos because they were younger and healthier, and the older and the sicker were actually heaping the, the, the cost onto them. Uh, you actually limited doctor choice and clinic choice. I could go on uh, with jobs and everything that, that was uh, being impacted with Obamacare. The point is, in, in the state of, of Colorado, for example, we got involved in the Senate race there with Cory Gardner. Um, where it had like a 75% approval rating with Latinos. By the end of the, of the campaign, it was down to 44% approval rating of Latinos. We had reset the, 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 the agenda, the conversation. Now, if we just sat back and allowed the non-Latinos on the conservative side to do the Latino engagement, it, it's just proven ineffective. Uh, sometimes the messenger who is relatable who uh, understands the sensibilities and the nuances of the community is much more effective in driving these ideas or this kind of conversation. And, and, and you see the kind of results that we're getting across the country. Well, and what you're saying is you want to avoid Taco Bowl tweets and promotions of that like. God, yes. <laughs> that's just, yeah, that's just, yeah. I exactly. want to turn to, to looking at Hispanic turnout in Texas after the presidential, because like the representative mentioned, there is Hispanics turnout in higher numbers in presidential years and, and versus those midterm elections, gubernatorial elections. And you know, if we look at if we look at say looking at 2018, you know, report after report says Texas is not a competitive state because in large part because Hispanics don't turn out. But when you look at in terms of age differences, you know that there are fewer Latinos registered to vote to begin with, even those who are leaving apart whether they're eligible or not, just looking at those eligible ones. There's a lower share that's, uh, that's actually registered. And when you look at the, the turnout, I mean, there's a huge drop in presidential versus non-presidential. I, I pulled up the numbers. If you looked at 2012, which was Obama's reelection, Latinos turned out 38.8%. And if you look at last, uh, two years ago, the gubernatorial, they turned out 22%. I mean, the, the drops are huge. They're voting wow. at much lower rates than other racial and ethnic groups. So when we look past presidentials, I mean, even if Hispanics turn out this year, does it really matter in Texas moving forward? Well, I didn't know there was life after the election, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did, you see the, did you see the huge sign as you come into Austin, coming from the north, there's a huge, huge sign that says, I understand you're moving abroad, and it has, it has both the two national candidates. Can we sell your house? <laughs> it is, um, ay, ay, ay. 
No, of course we need to do a lot better. But you mentioned that, that um, helped create the Hispanic Republicans of Texas. Uh, we had zero Republicans in, in the House. Zero, okay? Um, and I think that it's a good thing to have of, of the both parties. All, all, the, all the Hispanics in the House were, were Democrats in the state. And so we got four elected and a couple more, et cetera. It, once again, it goes back to let's, after these elections, let's find young people and older people who want to run for office. Let's train them. Let's help them raise money. Let's get them to, to participate in, in politics because politics is a good thing. It, it's uh, and the examples that we have out there that, that of corruption, and I'm not even referring to the presidential, but so much stuff out there. It's because uh, we're not participating. Let's get out there. Well, I mean, I think the I think with Latinos, it, it really is just there's it has to be an investment of time and money. By, by either the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the parties, or just a nonprofit organization, whatever it is. But it's going to take a lot of time and investment. And I think the problem with political parties, uh, sadly, uh, even the, the Democratic Party in Texas, I think, is that you have to be patient, too, to create a culture where we're going to be voting in mass. And especially now, I believe you said the median age is 27. 27. Uh, so we're a young population. we got to get... You have to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, if you're a political party or a nonprofit or whatever it is, to say this is how we're going to get it, go about doing it and invest the resource of, of actually touching voters, asking them what they care about, putting that if, if, in our party platform, if whatever that is, address those issues directly, and it just takes time. And you I know, know in California, uh, uh, you know, I think that the unions and the, and the different groups get together to really go out there and, and, and go door to door in and Nevada get very too. in Nevada yeah. too. You know, one thing that Daniel so, does, does good is these meetings that you have with uh, young business leaders around the nation because you don't even talk about a party. You talk about the importance of running, of participating, and it's mostly with, with young we are business leaders. And, 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 and that, that, that's a good thing. Well, I mean, it is an investment of time and money. And, it, and that's really the thing. I mean, telling people to just go out and vote, go out and vote as, much, as much as they might like their candidates that they're going to be choosing. Uh, you know, they need something else. They need to really feel you bought in. There are as many competitive races. I mean, you look at and the House the and what a few, yep. I mean, such a handful yep. of swing districts that have active campaigns. You know, I think Eddie and I are both I'm in, like 70 you know, solid Democratic, Democratic district, districts. Yeah. And so you have very few active competitive campaigns for the legislature. So it is important to focus on those local races for city council, for school board, Absolutely. and get the community engaged and educated because yes. sometimes they don't know the difference. Oh, yeah. Like, why are we voting in November? Why yeah. are we voting in May? Why do we have March primaries? And know what each election, you know, it, it, what uh, what office is uh, uh, in each election, and who the candidates are, because right. we get asked all the time, "How's DC? Yeah, how's <laughs> when are DC? you going back exactly. to DC?" Or, and uh, yeah. that's why I just go Congress back to just uh, investing yeah. more in educating our Latino community on the election process and the candidates and the different the different uh, positions. That's the office. irony of it all is that right now, I think the Democratic Party stands in an amazing opportunity, given the reality of what's going on right now, the, the actual dynamics of doubling down on Latino outreach, and you could l help to lock in that vote almost for years to come. Look, you had 63% of white people voted for Mitt Romney. 80% of minorities voted for Barack Obama. That, that's, that's a huge contrast. And in a state like Texas, the, the mistake that was made by Battleground Texas, and I'll go back to that, and it's being made across the country because we're seeing a spate of articles now where a lot of the Democrat activists, Latinos, are upset with the party because they're not investing. They're not doing the, the, the kind of uh, um, outreach and engagement they should be doing, especially in a critical year like this. Uh, it, 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 they made the mistake of just assuming that you could take the Latino vote for granted 
and just drum up the numbers by registration. You need to be out there on the issues, on, mm -hmm. on the merits of your ideas, and persuading Latinos. You have to earn our vote like you earn everybody else's, which is, which is exactly what we're doing. We're out there doing the policy forums, the business forums. Uh, we're bringing, we we uh, uh, had Marco Rubio and uh, in, in Jeb Bush, Rand Paul, uh, Paul Ryan, um, Luis Fortuño, you know, all these people, bringing them together with the Latino community and talking about issues one-on-one -on, -one on why it's going to be pernicious to grow the size and the scope of government, why we should be for school choice, why we should lessen the tax burden, the regulatory burden. You know, all these things are important to Latinos too, uh, and we're not... I, I think seeing that. Yeah, I think at that's where our paths are not crossing, and that everything you've mentioned, but you have not mentioned in the, the communities in which we are working with the working families that are working two jobs that can't yeah. go to your business forums that you know have to do an evening or a Saturday event to educate them as well. Like I said, there are lots of different generations, lots of different families, and lots you know within the Latino community that we take well, different well, approaches. They do. We, yeah. we go to churches, chamber of commerces, colleges, and universities. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with women. We work with business groups. We work with faith leaders. Um, so yeah, we work across the board. And and you know, believe well, me, we understand the nuance of the diversity of the Latino community. Well, well. There, there is no doubt. And I think, you know, being, speaking as a Democrat, I, I know that my party can do a lot more and a lot better. And I know as an elected official, I probably should be doing a lot more and, and, and doing what I can to be out there. But you mentioned a number that's dramatic. So you said 67% of Anglos or whites 63%. were voting. 63 And 80% voted for Barack Obama, Obama roughly. Latino, so Latino. that is... Well, that's telling, right, in a couple yeah, of ways, is, right? That's telling that the Democratic message and maybe the messenger does resonate with minority voters, Latinos and African-Americans and whatnot. So that tells you something there. So well, it resonates when it's the only voice no, in the Latino community. No, I understand. That's, that's why it faulted us as not engaging. No, no, I, I understand. But, 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 um, but, you're, but you're right. I mean, I think that the, the thought that because the population is going to grow, then the number of voters is going to grow, that because of that 80% number, that that's automatically going to happen, is, is, uh, is not right. It's something that we really shouldn't just take for granted, and we need to pursue it and invest the time and invest the money. You know, we just have to. 90% of all Latinos uh, under 18 are born U.S. citizens. There is a massive group of Latino voters coming up, and okay. we need to engage at that level already. And, and both, parties. Both, both parties. Exactly. All both parties. parties. All parties. Should we be doing but. that? <laughs> All parties. <laughs> sure. We're, Got another <laughs> poll. You see how, this is how it works. <laughs> we're, we're getting close to our, our Q&A, and so I just want to make sure we leave enough time for that. But, but before we, we wrap up, so we've, you've disagreed on a lot of things up here. But it sounds like the one thing you've agreed on is that Donald Trump is not a great candidate for Hispanics in terms of turnout. So we saw Mitt Romney, he got 27% of the Hispanic vote. Um, I'd like if each of y'all could just go down and what do you think Donald Trump will get? Well, it depends on which poll you, yeah. you see. I mean, some of them have him in the teens, some of them have him up in you know, the yeah, 30s. If you had to pick uh, one, what, one number, what would you I'd say? I'd put him in the teens. Teens? Yeah, I would think nationally. Like, are Texas only or nationally? Well, let's do nationally because that's the rip number. Yeah, I, I would think it's under, definitely under 20 in the teens. Under 20? In the teens, maybe. He's going to get less uh, every day because I'm going to work as hard as I can. <laughs> not, just, not, not just for Gary Johnson, which of course I support, but every day I'm taking one away from that guy. And by the way, and by the way, Ted Cruz, we're very disappointed. Daniel. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Look, I, I look at the electoral map. I, I don't really care about the national average. What's he going to get in Florida? 
What's he going to get in Colorado? What's he going to get in Virginia? What's he going to get in Nevada? In Nevada, he's strong. I think it's 32, 34%. Mm -hmm. That's strong for a Republican uh, presidential candidate. Um, he's 36% in Florida. Um, so he could improve on those numbers. There's still time. I mean, he, he, there's a lot of work he can do. Uh, th this is, th this is uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, you, every one of us, has a decision to make. Is my life going to be better if I vote for this person or that person? And the person who can best persuade you on their vision for America, the direction that you want to take, whether we're going to go down big spending, collectivism, progressivism, liberalism, I mean, if that's your cup of tea, then you know, Hillary's your gal. If you believe in, I, I would assume that Donald Trump is going to be better on taxes. But that's the problem, my friend. You assume him. Exactly. That's, and, the, and problem. that's, why that's the problem. But, but that's why we're not I engaged. Believe the guy. The, the, I believe the guy a, when he says that he's going to bomb the family members of, of, of people of ISIS. I believe him when he says he's going to try to build the wall. I believe the guy. That's why I, I I'm cannot, not going to counter that yeah. at all. I, no well, offense well, to you. No, no, no. no. I'm only making the case. I'm only making the case that there is an uncertainty in the Latino voters at the Libre Initiative with Donald Trump because he looks, I would presume he's going to be better on taxes, on regulations, on school choice, um, on Obamacare, on entitlement reform, on all these issues that we care about. But I don't really know that because That's there right. is no That's record. Right. There, there, he is not a so. politician, never has been. So I don't, there's no Reality path show. for a really. prologue. And that's, that's where we're stuck, right? Okay. But I know what Hillary's going to do. She is going to raise taxes. She is going to impose more regulations. She is going to grow government. She is going to oppose Obamacare. She is going to put a liberal yeah, Supreme Court. Vote for Gary I Johnson. I make sure we Vote. get to the audience. Vote for Gary so, Johnson. Uh, we don't have any mics, but if you have a question, raise right. your hand and we'll, uh, I'll get you first. The gentleman in the blue up here. I saw you stand up first. Hello. Okay, thank you. Okay, good afternoon, you guys. My name is Hussein Al-Ghafaji, and I'm a student here at the University of Texas at Austin. This question is directed to Mr. Juan Hernandez, correct? Okay, so is there any guilt in the campaign, excuse me, is there any guilt in the campaign knowing that Gary Johnson's gonna lose in the fall and that might possibly spoil the election for Hillary? Um, that's a real good question. No, it's a real good question. I'm sorry, you're a charismatic and, guy. Uh, I appreciate it. I yeah. just didn't mean to. Let's, you're let's a libertarian. Let's let him answer. No. Great question, because on the one hand, I have people from, my friends from, from the left tell me, Juan, you're helping Trump by, by supporting Gary Johnson, no matter how great the guy is. And then my friends on the right say, you're helping Hillary by calling him. Look, I have a grandson, <laughs> believe it or not. I don't want to be remembered by a guy who supported Trump, nor Hillary, okay? Uh, I have to vote with my conscience. I really do. It's the only thing that, for me, has dignity today. Uh, but I truly understand those who are saying, including many of my Republican friends, including one of the Bush presidents, who it is said that he's going to vote for Hillary. I understand. That's how bad it is uh, with regard to supporting Trump. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, man. Great um, question. We've got the, the gentleman in the green right behind you. I'll get to you next. My name is Terry. Um, after the 2012 election, the Republicans came out with a big autopsy asking can, for more. I'm sorry, can we get you to speak up just a little bit? Asking for more you. outreach and more inclusiveness, which pretty much didn't happen. I'm, quite, I'm curious, uh, what will the next Republican autopsy look like if, if in, in the case that Hillary wins? Thank you. So, if Hillary wins, what will the Republican autopsy look like after So let me challenge a little bit on, on they didn't do the outreach. Actually, a lot of senators and congressmen did do the outreach. I mentioned Cory Gardner. I mentioned uh, 
um, Cornyn and Abbott who got those results. Brownback and Roberts got over 45% in Kansas. Purdue and Deal got 45% and 47% in Georgia. Scott got 47% in Florida. Uh, Christie got 52% in New Jersey. Uh, here, you saw Will Hurd take out uh, Gallego in a, a predominantly Latino district. 73% for Sandoval, 63% for Santa Martinez in New Mexico. Uh, Sandoval flipped the House and the Senate in Nevada for the first time since the 1920s. In Reed State, so, where, so where unions dominate. What, what I'm saying like. is that there was engagement. So the, the notion that they didn't is, is, is not uh, accurate. Um, what they're going to see here is, look, I mean, we, we believe strongly in immigration reform to address market forces, to bring families together, to make America stronger. That is still going to be, I think, a very critical issue for Latinos and will continue to be so. And until they address that issue in a way that is sensible, that is market-based, and in a bipartisan way that we can reach consensus, I think Republicans are going to be struggling with the Latino community. And you're going to see this sort of dynamic of Proposition 187 kind of like you know, hover over them uh, until we <coughs> fix this, this situation. Uh, next question up here, and then I'll go to you. Hello, uh, my name is Mercedes Munoz, and I'm a high school senior out of El Paso, Texas. Uh, this question is for the whole panel, but uh, specifically for our Republican panelists. Uh, from personal experience and watching the way my family acts and the way in which they vote, I can testify that Latinos are indeed very conservative, but we don't seem to vote that way. What do you think that says about the way the Republican Party has chosen to engage the Latinos in the political process? Do you believe that there is still some discrimination towards Latinos in the Republican Party? No, I, look, I think that the Republican Party, this is my assessment, and anybody can, of course, has their own judgment on this, uh, but I already, I already kind of mentioned it. We did a miserable job of engaging in outreach. Now, why did they fail to outreach and engage? Did they just assume that their ideas would sell themselves? You know, Ronald Reagan said it best. Freedom doesn't pass on through the blood. It passes on from one generation to the next. It, it's a conversation you have with a community. You have to earn the vote of the Latino like you earn every, everybody else's. We have to educate and inform ourselves about the issues that impact us. But we also have to educate ourselves what are the consequences of bad ideas that are inducing more government dependency, that are splitting families apart, that, that I think are making us less safe in America, that are increasing the burden of regulations and taxes. All these things are important, and we need to have an honest conversation about these things, like the minimum wage and these kind of issues. But, but the left has dominated the conversation. And I'm talking about Spanish language television. I'm talking about unions. I'm talking about university professors, uh, Latino celebrities, uh, nonprofit Latino organizations who are progressive and, and, and lefty. This is not a criticism. This, this is a credit to them, again. But I, I would repeat uh, um, to, to end it. Latinos have not rejected conservatism or uh, free market policies. They just haven't heard the merits of these policies. Uh, I think we're running out of time, so we'll do one more question. I promise we'd get someone on this side. Uh, hello, how you doing? Uh, I had a question for Mr. Juan Hernandez. You said you were voting for, uh, you with Mr. Johnson, uh, and he was saying that he was going to remove the, he wanted to remove the uh, Texas Education Board. Uh, I work in the financial aid business uh, in Lone Star, so I see a lot of Latinos, you know, applying for financial aid, and that's how they're paying for school. So do you still support him even though he's trying to remove that? Because uh, I came early on accident, right? And I ended up sitting here, and I was actually trying to go to the sports one. 
But I was like, you know what? I'm going to just stay just to see what he's going to say. Because um, one thing I was really interested in is about, you know, him legalizing marijuana and stuff like that. So that's the only reason I really stayed. And but So do I have your vote or not? <laughs> no. That's all I care about. Uh, the only thing you would have my vote in is about the education. The education. Well, let me try hard then. Uh, no, what Gary has said about education, he says everybody thinks that, that the federal uh, uh, ministry, as we say, like uh, uh, Educación, that it was something that was created by our, you know, by Jefferson or something. It was created uh, by President Carter. It's not that old. But what, what the federal government does is Texas gives, I don't know, uh, 13%, how much do we give to the federal government? Then they give us back 11% for us to spend it here. He says, let's just get out of it. Let the state spend its own money on its education and, and not have the federal government participate unless they're just totally doing something insane. So he says the contrary. Let the money stay in, in each state and let each state have its own board of education. Let the federal government get out of it. A smaller government, but not... And, and he also says, let's find a way so that the student loans are taken care of, because that is a mess that we've got in this nation. But I will say, just real, if I can, real quickly, our, our lieutenant governor, Republican lieutenant governor, is trying to cut these very grant programs, too. So if you leave it to the states, it doesn't guarantee that Latinos and people that, are, that really need that are going to be available to them. Shame on him. Shame on him. Well, I'm, I'm so sorry. I think we're out of time. But